Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and welcome to Everything Cooperative this morning. You know, we're getting ready for Christmas, and that's the gift-giving season. Today, we have two cooperatives, two ladies from different co-ops. We have Lakeisha Wolf. She's with the Ujama Collective out of Pittsburgh. And we have Candice Kwam, who is an artist and works with the ancestral-rich treasures of the Zuni Cooperative. And she's in Zuni, New Mexico. Good morning, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. So let's start with Lakeisha. You're out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and you are Ujama Collective. So what is your cooperative? What What is it? How does it work? So Ujama, we are named after the fourth principle of the African-American holiday Kwanzaa. And Ujama simply means cooperative economics. Um, and the mantra that goes with that is to build and maintain our own shop stores and other businesses and profit from them together. And so our work is rooted in shared work, shared wealth, and an obligation to generosity. And so what we do is we provide a fair trade marketplace for the cultural, um, artistic, and entrepreneurial exchange through cooperative economics of Africana artists. And we have a focus on women. Um, so we run a cooperative retail boutique and an online store, and we do other pop-up events and other placemaking for community exchange and for community healing. And so our work focuses on all of the folks throughout Africa and the diaspora. So we work with local, regional, national, and then international Black artists. Um, and it's been a wonderful journey. We've been in existence. I think we began organizing in 2008, 09. We've had the retail store for over 11 years now. And um, we've done a lot of other projects but the principles we really focus on, again, are, are fair trade, community, creativity, and wellness. Um, and, of course, everything we, we do is really rooted in cooperation. Fantastic. And so you say African, focus on women from the diaspora, uh, Ujama. So what is your webpage? If somebody wanted to buy something from your cooperative, where would they go find it? Yeah, so it's ujamacollective.org, and it's U-J-A-M-A-A-C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E, Ujama Collective, U-J-A-M-A-A, collective.org. And you'll learn more about our organization as well as be able to shop directly on our website. Fantastic. So I want to come back and talk a little bit more about some of those projects you've done and you mentioned community, but I would like to ask Candace the same question. Uh, what is your ancestral rich treasures of Zuni 
uh, cooperative. And how long have you all been going, doing, and what do you all with your products? Sure. Kishi, um, um So, uh, good morning to everybody out there. Just greeting everybody in a formal, traditional way. Um, but yeah, uh, the Rich Treasures of Zuni started in 2019. Uh, if you know anything about Zuni Pueblo, we're very known for our art. Uh, you can toss a pebble and you can hit an artist and another artist. And just to use myself an example, I'm an artist. My parents are artists. My late grandmother and great grandfather were well-known artists and so on and so forth. Most of my aunts and uncles are artists and it's kind of more uh, uncommon to have somebody who isn't connected to any sort of art in any other way. So, um, there, but there's one in any generation. My brother is one. So he took all the uh, sense of direction and I took all the talent for art. So it's a fair trade. <laughs> but our cooperative started, as I said, in 2019. Uh, we came together as a group along with, uh, with help with Cooperative Catalyst of New Mexico, a cooperative development organization. And they helped us to create this really wonderful co-op since uh, – the, around the 80s that we as artists started to market ourselves to, as artists to the brighter market. And unfortunately, outsiders took it as a opportunity to exploit our work. They could dictate the market. They could tell us how much our product is worth and we just have to take it just because we're so isolated in our geographical sense. And just to uh, update anybody, uh, Zuni is about... 30 minutes away from the next town, uh, next Walmart, just to give some reference, and about two and a half hours from the next large city, which is Albuquerque, New Mexico, or Flagstaff. It's the same amount of distance. So if you want to get anything of specialty, you either have to drive out or you have to, well, before then in the 80s, you just have to drive out. And there was a time where jobs were not in uh, plentiful abundance, let's say. So with everyone really heavy-handed towards art, we started to really sell our artwork to these strangers, or strangers, outsiders. And they saw it like if, like a retail price, a really fair retail price, say, ah, oh, I'm selling it for 50. And an outsider will look at you like, hmm, what about 20? And I want five more by the week. And like, you just have to say, okay, because you have to put food on the table. And that's kind of persisted until now. And this cooperative is kind of the answer to that. How can we lift everybody up to the same platform where you don't have to drive so many hours away to sell your work to, to pay your bills? You can stay home if you like to. You can uh, have other people market your work. You can get training how to market your work, how to price your work, how to take photos of your work. You can do that and you can come to our cooperative and we'll do everything for you. And if you're not a member of the co-op, you can pay a fee and you can can give your artwork to us and we'll take photos of it. You can give your opinion on it. You can. Uh, we tried to have the co-op to be a safe space for artists and for customers alike, just to offer that um, authenticity for our artists and our buyers, our customers, I should say, our customers, and just to give a safe space, a reputable place for our artists to sell. So you have a storefront also. Where yes, we do. Come. Okay. So, if you ever come by the village, it's just on Main Street. It's just one street that runs right through the village. You cannot miss it. So you have one street going through Zuni, uh, the Pueblo, 
And what's your, if somebody wanted to go online to buy your products, where, where would they go? Sure. It's called ZuniPuebloArt.com. Zuni, Z-U-N-I, Pueblo, P-U-E-L-B-L-O, Art.com. Ooh, have me spelling so early in the morning. So Zuni, Z-U-N-I, Pueblo, P-U-E-B-L-O, Art, A-R-T, dot com. And you could go online to buy your Christmas gifts or any other gifts that you may want to buy from Native Americans, or you can go to ujamacollective.org to buy art from the African diaspora, mainly the artists in and around Pittsburgh, mainly women. Is that right, Lakeisha? Yeah, and our art store, um, similar to what Candace talked about, we open our store to all artists of African descent, even if they're not members. So our membership is only open to to Africana women. However, we support all Black artists who have good quality work. And so if it's a fit in the store, we'll, we'll accept it and also support those, those artists as well. Great, great. So why a cooperative? Either one of you, why a cooperative? Why not just a regular business? What does cooperative give you that you can't get from a capitalistic business? Candice, you want to go first? Oh, sure. <laughs> For us, it seems like it would stick better to the community more rather than a overall capitalist uh, business just because other businesses have come here and they failed. Why? Because they don't really incorporate our cultural values and they don't stick. It's I kind of equate it to clothing. If you have, let's say, capitalism is like a really tight, itchy sweater, and it, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good to the skin, and we just felt like a cooperative is like when you come back home and you just put on your really comfy clothes, it feels right. You can work in this. You can play in this. This feels right. That's that's why we chose a cooperative model is because it felt right. All right. Mm-hmm. Feels right. It's not itchy. Okay. Okay, Lakeisha. What yeah, about so what? similarly, I would talk about the cultural principles part for for us. You know, we recognize that there is a lot of diversity inside of the Africana community, right? And for us, it's important that we center those experiences and specifically looking at Black people with a historical lens and recognizing that the ways in which capitalism and even consumerism and the, and the exploitation of that has caused harm to black people here and around the world, right? And just people of color, period. And so it's not something that we saw as being the solution to some of the longstanding issues and challenges that black people, particularly black women have faced, right? So here in Pittsburgh, you know, black women are very much on the lower rungs of the ladder in terms of economics and education and just quality of life. And so, you know, black women coming together to to do something that would meet their their shared needs and their shared challenges. Right. And, and recognizing that cooperation and the values and principles around cooperation are truly rooted in African and African-American history is really a part of who we are, right? Like it's it's really in our blood and oftentimes we just have to remember that. And so I feel like, you know, beyond just the economic support 
that cooperatives offer um, its members, that cooperatives also, particularly for groups that have been marginalized and groups that really, really rely on group solidarity in order to survive, right, that inside of a cooperative beyond just the economic support, right? There's also social, there's cultural, there's spiritual needs that also get met as well. So for for Ujama, we look at, at our work within this cooperative framework as really like a holistic way of being. It's really a lifestyle. And so when, when we talk with people, our members and just the network of support around us, we talk about building a community of practice. Community of practice? Mm-hmm. Community of practice. Yes, a, a community of practice around cooperative economics and all of the associated principles and values. So you practice the principles and values? Mm-hmm. Okay. Every day is a day of practice to make it a lifestyle. Okay. Candace, is that similar in your world, that what, what Lakeisha just talked about? A community of practice. Oh, yeah, she just said it way more beautifully than I could. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's exactly it. She just said everything and more beautifully than I could. So, well, on the show last time, we talked that the Zuni people have been in New Mexico for three, 3,000 to 4,000 years. We're going to take our first break and come back and talk about the history of both Africans and Native Americans. We'll be right back. Please don't touch that down. Station. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks, and the program is Everything Cooperative. And we have Lakeisha Wolf from Ujama in Pittsburgh, and Candice Kwam for the from the Ancestry Rich Treasures of Zuni Cooperative. It's called Arts A R T Z, and I'll just call it Arts from here out. And Zuni, New Mexico. Zuni, New Mexico is two and a half two and a half hours west of Albuquerque and two and a half hours south of Flagstaff. Out in the boonies, they have one town, it's Main Street, one street that goes through through the town, through the Pueblo. And their their uh, store is on that on that main street. Ujama is in Pittsburgh. Um, if somebody wants to come and see you in Pittsburgh, where would they go? What's the address there for your store? For sure. Your it's 1901. It's Center Avenue, C-N-T-R-E Avenue. That's Pittsburgh, PA, 15219. We're located in the Historic Hill District neighborhood of Pittsburgh, which is um, adjacent to downtown and to Oakland, where the University of Pittsburgh and some other universities are located. In the Hills District, there was a famous writer. I, I know when I yeah, August it, Wilson. Mm-hmm. August Wil- yeah. Wilson. Yeah, there's actually lots of folks um, who have called Pittsburgh home in one place at, at one time or or another who are who are well known. But August Wilson, um, you know, wrote his ten plays specifically um in and about the hill district community and so when i came to visit you i came up and you all were having a you were teaching kids how to paint their faces or do paintings uh in the hill district was celebrating his birthday i think it was 
Okay. Yeah. Yes. There was the, yeah, there's the August Wilson house, which is the organization that is revitalizing August Wilson's childhood home. And, um, and they have an August Wilson birthday party, like community block party celebration every year. So that's probably the time that you came. And Candace, when we talked last time, which I was saying before we took the break was that the Zuni native Americans Indigenous people have been in New Mexico for three to 4,000 years. And as you described in the f- first segment here, your family has been doing artwork, your grandparents, your parents, you, and it just goes down. But how does this, how does this co-op fit within the culture, the values of the culture? Well, our culture, uh, really values beauty and beauty comes in all sorts of forms to our regalia you can't our regalia our jewelry our materials can't be bought in like say a walmart you can't buy that at walmart you have to make it especially if you want it to be truly authentic you have to harvest all the fibers you have to weave it you have to work it and or have somebody work it for you so we have all these things in our culture that can't be bought. they have to be made and that's kind of kind of hard work hard kind of sewn into our culture is we have to make these artworks to carry on our ceremonies to carry on our daily life if you want to make our traditional foods uh, the best way to get it is to get some willow switches out by the by the lakes get some dry ones or some wet ones uh, form it together and tie them together to where it makes like a whisk and then you can do that so uh, art any sort of art form or even food is kind of you have to go do it yourself if you want it to be in a traditional way, which is what we would like it to be. Uh, you just have to work it into it. And art is very much part of our culture, from pottery to jewelry to even paintings. Everything is incorporated into our culture. So if you want it to look pretty, do it yourself. So, <laughs> or have somebody you know do it for you. So, Okay. And... Lakeisha, you talked about the values and principles, um, community of practice. Every day you're practicing the values and the principles. I like the values of what they call the ethical values of honesty, openness, social responsibility, and caring for one another. Uh, the ethical values, is are those the kinds of values you practice daily? So, yes. So the sort of seven international principles of cooperatives, yes. But when we talk about the principles and values, it encompasses a lot more than that. So when we think about sort of Africana cultural values, right, the 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 principles that are sort of the overarching universal ones that that show up. Um, no matter where, where you find black people, right? Whether you're on the continent, whether you're in the Caribbean, where, wherever you may be in African people are at, we draw on some of the similarities of principles in practice. And so they may be, um, one, for instance, is a principle out of, uh, Southern Africa called Ubuntu, right? And it's the principle, which means I am because we, we are, right? Oftentimes there's the, the proverb that folks use that goes with that principle. And it's that principle, right? Which for me is like really rooted in cooperative work, right? If you want to go, fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. And so when we think about 
what it means to sustain a business, to sustain a community of people, to sustain a culture, just sustainability in general, like of the environment, right? Like that is community work. That is work that that we all share in. It's 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 collective responsibility, right? So so that's one. And then inside of our our collective, right, we have what are called our sort of our code of conduct, right? Like our policies and procedures. And all of those are are rooted in cultural principles. So when our members become members, they get a copy of the code of conduct, right? And it says this is how we operate with one another inside of our marketplace. And so with that, we we borrow from the West African uh, Adinkra symbols, right, which come out of Ghana, the the Akan and the Ashanti people, right? And so we we talk about creating products that that don't have harmful ingredients or products that um, that are not rooted in doing anything illegal, right? And there, and there are, uh, there are different symbols and values, right? That people can see, that folks can read about. That again is is rooted inside of our our own cultural understanding, right? Um, and so we use that in a way that um, so that c- collectively we can conduct business. But also what's important in our work, right? We always talk about the fact that people don't come into our space, into our net, into our network just to exchange products for money, right? Like black, black people have been through so much and we carry a lot of um, generational trauma. And so there's also a lot of healing work that also has to take place, right? Like individual healing, collective healing. There's a lot of work that is the unseen intangible work that we also hold space for, right? So if, if, if a woman is trying, you know, she, she may create, you know, clothing or maybe she, she creates natural body care products, right? And, but when we get down to the business of it and say, Hey, sister, you know, let's figure out how to best price your, your products. Sometimes the issue of pricing the product, we recognize in that conversation that some of the struggles may be rooted in the idea that 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 black woman does not even fully value herself or doesn't understand her own worth because we've been inside of of an oppressive culture that has always been extractive and exploitative to black people. Right. And so a, a lot of our work is like in the idea of even owning ourselves and, 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 and owning our own contributions and what we offer to the world. Right. And it's remembering and really learning how to value ourselves so that we have this personal and really collective power Right. Because, you know, I've had to learn over time that everything is political. Right. And that um, that that even our very presence to create and operate a store. Right. That is really rooted in centering black people and our contributions and our value in the world. Right. There, there's a ripple effect. Right. Everybody doesn't like it. But best believe folks are going to respect it when we stand together and kind of set the intentions and the power of who we are and what we bring. You know, sometimes I'll I'll say to folks, like, even if we never sold another product, that the intangible work of, of, of seeing somebody understand their worth in the world, right, seeing 
a young person revalue who they are is just amazing. Just amazing. And we're going to stop there to take our next break. Yeah, you've said so much. I want to come back and talk about that. And then, Candace, I want to give you a chance to talk about what it's like and the extractive and exploitation. You talked about the extraction before of what would happen to your to the art. But we'll be right back. Please don't touch that down. The Vernon Oaks program is everything cooperative. We have Lakeisha Wolf. Uh, and Candace Kwam on with us this morning. And we had Jim Joseph on the on the show. Jim was the ambassador to US uh he was the US ambassador to South Africa when Mandela was the president. And he came on the show to talk about Ubuntu. And that was where I got my introduction to Ubuntu. He said Ubuntu is I am because you are and you are mm-hmm. because I am. This is this mm-hmm. thing that we work together. We are here together. Yes. That's the, the core of humanity is what I've come to. Through the African diaspora, through the Native American people, it's the same thing. When you go back, particularly if you go back and look at people and towns and tribes, everybody had what they were supposed to do and everybody worked together. And if anybody didn't carry their weight, the whole community suffered. So people did their job. And so you can go to everything.coop, our webpage, and put in Jim Joseph, and you can listen to that show. And uh, he is a preacher, also has this deep, heavy voice, and it's mesmerizing. It's a wonderful conversation. And on this show, Dame Pauline Green, who was, he's a British lady. Um, she was the president of International Cooperative Alliance, said that co-ops help people to come out of poverty with dignity. And Lakeisha, that's what you were talking about with with the black lady, the artist that you were talking about, may not have felt worth because she had been, you said, uh, exploited as black people have throughout the world. So, Candace, I said, when we come back, I'd like for you to talk about the cultural values of the Zuni people that you all have been living for three to 4,000 years and how this co-op is, the values of the co-op merge with or similar to the co-op values of the Zuni people. Yeah, sure. So anything that we do, we do together. Uh, We have this kind of mentality of one heart, one mind. So we all move together as one. If it applies anything to big ceremonial events, everybody will go to their designated group that they belong to, and they'll all help out together. And that's a beautiful thing to watch and just to see everybody converge and everybody comes back home to these events. If they not, they, if they don't live in the village and they live elsewhere, they'll always come back home and they'll always help out their families. And it's really beautiful to see the, these certain times of year, to see the village really come alive and everybody's helping each other out. So you know, that's what we try to do. And that's what we try to do with the co-op, too. Uh, anything that we need help with, we'll ask each other. And, it, and even towards like certain techniques that we know. Like, let me teach you. I'll teach you how to do that. Uh, and before before the cooperative, that was really hard to do. And if you wanted to make things really awkward really fast, you'll ask another artist, how do you do this? How do you make this? And that, it's just a really easy way to get them to freeze up, even if you ask me myself. Like, how do you paint this? Or how do you paint? Like, uh you paint it good. You paint it good. And I'll just direct it, direct them to YouTube. I'll just anything besides getting to how I do things. But now after the cooperative, if you ask me how to do something like, oh, come over, let me show you. You can use my equipment. You can use my materials. 
just to get you started. And once you get started, you can do anything on your own. But ask me anything you want. But before the co-op, it's it was really it's really easy. Even now, if you ask a person who's not part of the co-op, how do you do this? Like, uh, and they'll just give you a roundabout answer. We won't really answer you all the way through. But if you ask a co-op member now, um, for a while, like, how do you do this? How do you process your paint for pottery for natural fire? How do you do that? And like, oh, come over, I'll teach you. So and and they'll teach you start to finish, which is really cool. So. And you're learning silversmithing now. You're a painter. It's the goal. It's one of the few things I don't know how to do yet is silversmithing. So, so what you said also in the last show that you were on that um, the Zuni people shared before the Spaniards came in. Oh, yeah, sure. So that was a tradition to pass on your teachings. And when the Spanish came through, they started to text artwork and give it to the Pope or the Queen, whoever. And they would text these really beautiful artwork like uh, our traditional regalia, our pottery, anything that we had of value that they saw in their eyes, they would take. And it was starting to be like, why should I create this artwork from my heart and my soul to this person that I'll never see? Why why should I do that? And it started to be, and it started to create this sort of thing like, well, I'll put my artwork underground. They can't take it if they don't know I do it. So, and that started to be so secretive to the part where we started to lose all these different techniques, especially towards uh, textiles. Uh, what we know how to do in textiles now is the very top of the layer. What we used to do, we, we had such beautiful techniques and Fortunately, we're starting to re- starting to regain that back in this sort of revitalization of art, and that kind of just further grew into what it is now. Is I can't teach you because you'll take whatever business, whatever technique away from me, and I have to put food on my table. So that's kind of evolved from let me teach you from what I know because it is that's how it's supposed to be. To all these outside influences, sort of. Uh, teaching us to value individualism, which is really against what we are as a people. And it's kind of created this sort of toxic environment, which we're hoping our cooperative is combating. So, yeah, when it comes to techniques and artwork, we were the most secretive (laughs) that you could possibly be. But now it's starting to be better, a lot better. So, and it's a really cool unintended benefit of our cooperative. Really cool, really cool. And if you want to go get this great artwork, you go to ZuniPuebloArt.com, Z-U-N-I-P-U-E-B-L-O-A-R-T.com. And um, Lakeisha, when you were talking, did you find when you ladies got together that there was this don't share information or was it always sharing and are you sharing information now about how each one of you do and what you make jewelry right that's what your art is so i yeah i design jewelry and i um create uh natural and organic skin and hair care products and then i've actually lately i've been um painting i just like to make things in general um so i've been i've been exploring my my own artistic practice 
because I'm currently in an artist residency for Creative Black Mothers that's called Sybil Shrine. So it's giving me a little bit of space to explore my own creativity more because um, I do a lot of work of supporting and holding space for other folks to do their work. And I needed to do, you know, a little bit of, of my own work more. So so that's happening. But, you know, similar again to to what Candace talked about, you know, I think that, I mean, our stories are, are similar and then they have some differences, but, um, you know, through enslavement and colonization of Black people around the world, there's always been this, this extractive process. And one of the things that I think about is when we came together in our collective, one of the things we were looking at was the ways in which Black women had been in business, right? So before the Europeans came into Africa before we were taken out of Africa, right? What were we doing? How were we operating? How were we moving in the marketplace, right? And and in in doing that research and doing that study, we learned that, you know, that, that African women, Black women were at the center of the marketplace. And one of the practices that, that they used was called the ASUSU. And it's a practice that traveled with us through the transatlantic slave trade, um, continued to, to travel through like immigration around the world, right, for centuries. But what we learned was that the, the so the ASUSU is what's known as a, uh, what they would call now a rotating saving and credits association, right? So it's a way of taking money and keeping it circulating within a community of people, right, who are all in, in agreement. And so it's saving money and then loaning it to folks in that community. So you get to see your money at work with people who you trust. And so this was a process that within Nigeria that Black women had been doing for forever, right? But when the Europeans came into West Africa, they gathered up all of these women and tried to convince them to stop doing the ASUSU, right? So that they would all of their money and resources and put them into these European banking systems, right? So it was, okay, we're going to, right, and then try to kind of like convince and brainwash folks to to believe that what they've been doing for all of this time, right, wasn't worthwhile and was not valuable and was antiquated and all, and all of this and that, right, and convince them to do this 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 other thing. But the ASUSA was a practice that that withstood that and lasted and is still a practice that Black people are using today. So when we formed our collective and started learning about the ASUSU, we had members who are from the Caribbean and they talked about the ways in which their families, right, and their close ancestors had practiced the ASUSU and how they had bought their first house using the ASUSU practice, had sent their, their family to college, right, had done all of these things by circulating this money within their, their family and friends and community. And so, so that's a practice that we also use. But you know, to your question, we definitely recognize that living under American culture, the focus on being an individual, this focus on, you know, this this fake idea of not being interdependent and not being interconnected to other people really, you know, has had a lot of Black people struggle for a really long time because it's, one is it's outside of our cultural context, right? And so you might have some small examples of people who've quote unquote made it, right? 
But the reality is that the majority of us are not going to make it inside of this capitalistic system. And so you see, again, like these these masses of, of, of black folks who've really been struggling in poverty, right, and, and in generational poverty for a very long period of time. And we strongly believe that um, cooperatives and using cooperative strategies are the ways for folks to to get out of that but also to regain a sense of dignity, right? Like a sense of, a sense of themselves to be in, in, in spaces that value the humanity of, of who we are, not just the ways in which our labor can be used for somebody else's benefit. You've said a lot and I totally agree with you. Just last week on this program, I had Dr. Carolyn Hussein, a social professor at the university of Toronto, talking about susus mm-hmm. and okay, she called them roscas r-o-c-s-a mm-hmm. all right. right and so but all over the world and in and in canada not only have the canadian government and police try to convince black women from the caribbean or from africa or somalia she talked and they, they they're called different names not just susus mm-hmm. she had a list of names that they are called but in Toronto, they were when they would go in and raid, maybe had a good reason for raiding a community, drugs or whatever, they would find all of this money. And they assumed it was drug money or if they were um, Muslims, that they were collecting this money to fund terrorists around the world. And they, they kept the money. OK. And so this was sort of like this was terrorism. Uh, she was talking about explorative and when they found out what it was, they didn't give the money back. I mean, so that, that's really terrible stuff. But what I like about your idea of this example is this is the culture by which we come out of. Okay. And I've often wondered how Native Americans got here, Candace, how they got to North America, believing that humanity started in Africa. And how did you all go across the straits or whatever and come into New Mexico three, 4,000 years ago or eons ago, but we may have common values, Natives and Africans, Native Americans and Africans, in the way we've lived and worked and, and as you talked about the cultures. Um, did you all have anything like this in, in Zuni of collecting money together and sharing? Uh, yeah, sure. Well, we did have money. Well, that's how we use our cultural values, like building these religious houses. We're going to come back and talk about building those houses and how you did things together after we take our final break. here. Please don't touch that down. Your news talk station. This is Vernon Oaks. The program is Everything Cooperative. Uh, we have... Candice Quam from New Mexico, the Zuni Pueblo, and Lakeisha Wolf from Ujama in Pittsburgh. And before we took break, Candice was going to talk about how the culture is working together. Uh, Lakeisha talked about um, susus, uh, saving money together and borrowing money and working together with money. And you were getting ready to tell us, Candice, about some of the things you work together in in uh, in past and maybe currently Zunis coming together and working together. 
So um, there's every so often where there's a ceremonial event, and we'll go to each family. We'll go to their designated uh, group. We call them kivas, and each kiva is there is dedicated to a directional direction, <laughs> the, the regular north, east, south, and two more, the sky realm and the underground. So uh, let's just use my family as an example. We'll go to our kiva's uh, designated house, and all the men will do all their associated uh, obligations. And during that time, us women will bake bread. And this, if you ever have the pleasure of having pueblo bread, it will have these big uh, vats of dough. And I do mean a vat. And each lady will be punching the dough and it's it'll take all morning to punch that dough and then we'll let it rise and we'll do other things we'll get the ovens ready the ovens are an outdoor oven made out of mud and we have to build the build a fire in that oven and let it cook and like get it really nice and hot clean out the ashes and we don't use any sort of modern tool it's just a long wooden pole with uh, fresh juniper uh, branches and we clean it out and we just use all these uh Actually, the only thing uh, modern or innovative is leggings. We actually use leggings to tie the, the juniper to the wooden pole. That's just because it doesn't burn. So we'll just uh, we'll clean it out. All the ladies will clean it out. They'll clean out all the ashes out. They'll get it all nice and ready. While that's happening, while the dough's rising, finish rising to the ladies' preferred resinous, I should say. Uh, they'll roll it out, put it into these nice loaves. Let it set again, and all the ladies will come back and they'll shape the dough. Once the dough is shaped, all the younger ladies will put it on their boards, uh, on the, the boards. They'll take it out on their shoulders and they'll give it to the ladies who are putting it to inside the oven. So while that's happening, all the ladies are cleaning up, they're doing other things, and they'll, they're making lunch for all the men and all the ladies who are helping. They're making sure uh, everything is done. So everybody has their own role. And we all kind of fall into line and it kind of goes into this matriarchal system. So we'll all look to, if I'm just walking to a new house, I'll look to the older lady and I'll ask her, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. Or I'll look to the head of the lady, the head of the house, and I'll look to her like, what do you want me to do? I'll do it. And she'll kind of delegate all these things and we'll all go with, kind of move as one. And we kind of know our role. Unless you're younger, then you'll kind of be, (laughs) if you're a young lady and you're just kind of going to your first cooking, you're always going to be put as the dishwasher and you'll stay there for the whole day just because dishes never end. (laughs) Working together as one, getting getting it done and knowing what to do and how to do it. So let's talk, uh, because we only have a few minutes left, but what are the products, Lakeisha, what are the products that one can get at Ujamaa? Yeah, so we have a huge range of products at Ujima in our store. Ujima. Lots of different kinds of jewelry, a lot of clothing items for men, women, and children, lots of textile items. So like in our, we have a, uh, a lot of home decor items. So textiles, you know, aprons, um, tablecloths, coasters. We carry, uh, you know, one of our values is wellness. And so when we think about you know, the, the health of the body, the things we put on our body and in our body. So we also sell um, like natural body care products, hair care products, um, herbs uh, for teas, tinctures, all kinds of things. We have lots of wall art, like table art. We have mugs with um, some of our, our new members have these really dynamic mugs with a lot of their own art on the mug. 
with like social justice messages and like images, like a lot of um, image-based stuff. And we have lots of dolls for children. We have books for children and adults. Um, and we have just a range of things in our space. You know, I think that anybody who comes looking for a gift for somebody is going to find something special for that person, plus a whole bunch of other wonderful gems. So you know, I definitely encourage folks, you know, if you're if you're local or coming through Pittsburgh, it's definitely a, a destination in the historic Hill District. But you can also check us out online and I'll give that address again. It's ujamacollective.org. That's U-J-A-M-A-A-C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E, ujamacollective.org. But you can also, you know, you can Google us and um, and you'll find our information. And Candice, what kind of products do you all serve? Sure. So we have everything that Zuni is known for. We have pottery, we have fetishes, we have jewelry. Uh, we have some things that Zuni is even uh, not really known for. Skateboard, uh, skateboard decks. We have painted skateboard decks. We have paintings. We have greeting cards. We have coffee mugs. And we do have some keychains as well. So we have, we're trying to accommodate uh, everybody and anybody. So so what you did not name was your artwork that you do, your paintings that hang on the wall. Yes, we do. So, yes, I'm a painter. By uh, I'm mostly known for painting. So I do have some paintings up there on the website. And I'm also a co-curator for a traveling art exhibit called Pivot Exhibit. So, And you have, I've been on your webpage, you have masks that people can wear with your artwork on the mask. Um and if you haven't seen that, Lakeisha, I think if you go, you, would, you, you may even find something you might want to do with masks because I think they're going to be here. But And you have postcards, which I like yes, with your do. artwork on it. Both of yeah, them and uh, right? Yeah, we do. Well, I'm really excited to see. I saw her website before prior to the show. It looks really beautiful. So, And all the postcards are really beautiful as well. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, we have lots of like paper craft, greeting cards, handmade cards and notebooks and cute little textile bags to slip your your laptop in and your tablet. We have a lot of a lot of really cool and interesting functional, you know, functional art, you know, really making things a part of of your everyday life. And Candace, what kind of jewelry do you have? What kind of jewelry? Uh, we have uh, earrings, rings, some really nice uh, necklaces. There's a bolo tie. And in terms of earrings, we have everything from small posts to big dangles. Bracelets we have. And we also have some, let's see, I mentioned the bolo tie and some a really beautiful big silver, uh, sterling silver necklace with the handmade chain. It's really beautiful. I encourage you to look at it. And that goes to ZuniPuebloArt.com. Same question, Lakeisha. What kind of jewelry do you all have? Oh, wow. We have, uh, we have a lot of dynamic jewelry artists in our collective. One woman I'll, I'll shout out, her name is Marsha. She actually creates paper beads. And so she upcycles old paper magazines and all of that. Um, and then creates these really dynamic pieces of jewelry using these paper beads. And when you see them, you wouldn't think or know, even touching it, that it's made out of paper. But yeah, so we have chunky jewelry to kind of fine jewelry, like metal based, um, lots of beaded 
work. Uh, yeah, there's there's a huge range of jewelry and like wearable art, a lot of accessory items, scarves and purses and things like that, that that incorporate textiles and beads and, and prints. So it's definitely a range, a range of items you could find probably something to match any outfit. Okay. Okay. In the last minute or two here, what do you see how you all will fare with this coronavirus? How do you see the future? Candace, you want to go first? You only have. Oh, sure. Let me just say this real quick to give Keisha time. Uh, but yeah, we only had a one year where we were completely allowed to thrive and then the virus hit. So we kind of been in survival mode since then but struggle same thing with any other minority is not new to us so we will survive this we will get through this so and we'll get through it together wonderful yeah and similarly again you know for for us it's you know it's been leaning deeper into our practice of of cooperation one thing that we're working on right now is we actually have an african-centered cooperative research project that we're spearheading with some partners and looking at how we can advocate and really encourage um, black people and other people of color to to operate cooperatives, to think about how the cooperative model and how cooperative strategies can help meet a lot of the needs that were present before COVID. But because we're in this season of, of COVID, we recognize that, you know, folks need to come together safely, but in ways in which they can practice cooperative economics and as well as getting those additional benefits that come with with cooperatives of the, the, the social, the cultural and the spiritual benefits of doing things together. Candice, give us your webpage one more time. Sure, that is Zuni Pueblo Art, Z-U-N-I, Pueblo, P-E-U-P-U-E-B-L-O, art, A-R-T, dot com. And Lakeisha? Yep, it's ujamaacollective.org, U-J-A-M-A-A-C-O-L-L-E-C-T-I-V-E dot org, Ujama Collective. Thank you, ladies. Thank you very, very much. I uh, hope you all have a great holiday season. Everybody else out there, we, we're going to sign off now, and please live cooperatively. <laughs>